All right, and we've time traveled a week to this next week, which is your present. Um, where we're, <laughs> <laughs> where, where we're going to talk about stuff. Welcome to the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is Glenn, John, Ryan. All right, so we we talked to you about television last week, and now we're going to dive into some of the films that we have seen. Yeah, we did all right this week. We did. Um, this. <laughs> <laughs> This oh, particular... We well, we're yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and goodbye. And there's your story. Uh, so, 13 Lies. This is one that I've seen the trailer for. I have not watched. Actually, I haven't seen any of these uh, Yeah, I, Yeah, I reviewed it, so apparently someone else saw it. I saw it. You saw oh, it. Oh, I'm very curious, because the trailer looks interesting. Why didn't you watch it? Because I haven't had the time. Uh, I'm I, I dealing with a lot of stuff. That's a good answer. Um, I actually had no interest in watching this movie. I hadn't heard much about it, and when Glenn talked about it, I went and like looked it up and everything, and... When he first told us I did this, but like I couldn't believe the cast. I was like, "How have I not heard about this fucking movie before?" Ron Howard, Joe Simpleton, that's maybe Ron Howard directed it. Fucking Viggo Mortensen and um, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. <laughs> anyway, and, uh, and uh, Joel Edgerton, he, he's good. Who's not in very much? Yeah, but um. So anyway, this is based on a true story about this kid's soccer team, and I don't know where was it. Uh, Thailand. Thailand. Um, that they. Apparently, don't have anything fun to do outside of playing soccer, so they decided to go walk into In a... Thailand? Apparently, they got beaches and all that other shit there, but they decided to go walk into a fucking cave. And, yeah. <laughs> you should narrate them. Well, then they're kids. They can't go to Bangkok yet. They but go, they go in there with their with fucking coach. Like, this is apparently a thing they do. They just go tour... They go explore these caves. And it's... And in fairness, like, it's not like a, 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 some kind of weird cave. It's like a tourist attraction. And it seems like it has something to do with... Weird cave. When, well, when, do, when does Leslie like, Chow show up? Well, well it, it seems like it has something well, to do with their religion, too. Yeah, and if you, talk, if you like, remember the, the descent, how they had, like, you know, the, the more public cave systems to go through, but they want something more challenging. This ain't what this is. They, they went to, like, a place where people could park their bikes and go walk into this cave. So it was a common thing for people to go there, but these idiots went too far in. And like Glenn was saying in the review... The monsoon season came a couple days early, and they were in deep shit. And oh, it was deep water. Man. Deep water. Um, and basically, they, the water came up so fast, and no one knows where they are, if they survived, if they're alive. So um, they can't, like, they, they call in, like, the, the Navy SEALs of Thailand to try and figure out if they can find them, and they can't get through. And it's basically fall into these two British divers who are, like, could be the two most badass human beings on the planet. I know, right? <laughs> they just, like, don't give a shit and act like it's nothing that they're going to go into these claustrophobic areas. Glenn was right when talking about, like, the claustrophobia thing, but I will say this. If you watch it at home, it's not as bad. I think if you watch this in a theater, oh, it would be very uncomfortable. <laughs> you get PTSD. <laughs> yeah. Um. First of all, I didn't research it and i don't even know if it would you could even find the truth but if what they did to get those kids out is what they actually did i think it is and it was classified for a while that is unbelievable it is and it's it makes sense it's smart but it's unbelievably dangerous and I, i i was surprised how much i liked it as soon as it was over my girlfriend was like that might be the best movie i've seen this year um it was really tense. It was engrossing. It wasn't. It was long. It was like two hours and twenty minutes, but it wasn't boring. And I didn't really find myself looking around at the clock and saying, "When's this movie gonna end?" 
I was, and, and did you really feel like you got to know the two characters, the main characters, pretty well? In a mm-hmm. very weird way, yeah. Like they didn't really show much about who they were. Just right. a few lines here and there told you everything. Like Viggo Mortensen was more of like the badass who was just like he had a very, kayak in his living room. <laughs> he's very blunt about everything. Colin Farrell's more the empathetic character. He's just you know trying to. But it, it was really well done. Um, I mean, it's Ron Howard, but it's on Amazon. Uh, everyone should watch this movie. Very, very, very good movie. Um, I would probably go as high as a 7.5. All right. I'm, uh, I'm very, very upset that I did not get to watch this film because you guys all raved about it, but Battered Bastards of Baseball. This was something we were going to talk about two weeks ago because um, Glenn had saw it. Uh, to, to be fair, one of my co-workers recommended it to me. So, um, this is one of those... Here's the funny thing about this. This movie is literally buried on Netflix. Uh-huh. Like, I literally had to almost type in the whole title to find it. Um, and, yeah, Glenn had talked about it, and so, since he was the only one who saw it, like, two weeks ago, I was like, well, let me let me watch it, and we can talk about it together. And when it was over, I messaged everybody. I was like, everyone, all of us need to watch this. Like, they're missing an opportunity to make this into a movie. Like, this is... I agree with you. It had feels of, like, Moneyball with, like, League of Their Own a little bit. A little Major League. And Major League, yeah. um, It's about Bing Russell, who I didn't know was a real person, but he's Kurt (laughs) Russell's dad. Bing. Who who gets the nickname Bing or the name Bing? That's just awesome. Bing Crosby. Yeah, I was about to say. Well, that's old. Well, so is Bing Russell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's old. Classic Ryan logic. (laughs) So here's the thing about Bing Russell, who was Kurt Russell's dad. He wanted to be in movies. He loved baseball. But here's the the cool thing about this that I I was immediately hooked with this part of the story. He was not just a fan of baseball, like as if somebody who watches Major League Baseball. He actually was – he studied baseball like a science. He made instructional videos about – baseball and well then they said when he was a kid he grew up in florida where the yankees would yes um, and he got very close with like lou gehrig and um you know uh, roger maris and all the old yankee players and um so he basically you know he, he's obsessed with baseball he, he's working in hollywood as kurt russell who is interviewed quite frequently in this documentary which makes it even more pleasurable <laughs> and he just talks about how Ple- his pleasant maybe word pleasurable Pleasurable. I thought it was pleasant. No, <laughs> it, it was, was nice. very pleasurable seeing Kurt Russell, as always. Okay. <laughs> um, but I liked how he, he classified. I, it, it was a very the way he explained the way his dad worked. Oh, where the, he was uh, like it, it was the plumber actor, right? right? Like he meant it in a good way. It's like a plumber actor where he was just like just doing the work constantly. He was always working on a movie or a TV show, and it never stopped. And I thought that was interesting. Like that's uh, an error that just doesn't exist now. And um, yeah, so he's. Just working on TV shows constantly, and then he he died so many times in those westerns. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he just decides the he finds out about a baseball team that has moved away in Portland. Um, and was it a single A or it was a triple A? Because if you remember, when the triple A team left, you could pay was it five hundred bucks? It was five hundred bucks. Yeah, to just buy a sing like uh, an independent team, which is. Considered in baseball annals, so for those who don't know, uh, the the Major League Baseball farm system, the way it's set up, and my girlfriend didn't know this when I explained it to her, when a player gets drafted, 
to the baseball team, he doesn't just go to that major league team. He has to work his way up through their farm system so they see that he's ready. So there's single A, double A, triple A, and then the major league team. So they start in single A and they work their way up. Well, the independent teams were considered to be like less than the single A, like they're just lower than low. So the city of Portland initially thought of it as like a slap in the face. We just lost our triple A team. Now we're getting an independent team that's not going to be worth a damn. And it was about how Bing Russell just using his brains of showmanship and just people who had a love of the game, just bringing these people in to try and, you know, have a great time, which is what I've always screamed about. Like, baseball could be so much fun if they would stop with these stupid, like, you know, just these unwritten rules of baseball and all that bullshit. What was it? All you needed was five hundred dollars and a credit, credit card. card. They actually said that, yeah. And he started his own team, and the, I just the, the Mavericks. Yeah, and I loved like one of the storylines was th- their best player, who lived like a block and a half from the stadium, but Bing Russell insisted on having a limousine pick him up and then back <laughs> up into the stadium, saying that oh Ethan Carter's arrived, and they're like, dude, he lives a block and a half. He's like, yeah, but this is how he comes to the games, <laughs> just like this. And it was just like, uh, it was a fascinating story to see where he started with this team, what they became, how many people were showing up to these games. And I love the fact that the guy who, I only know him from Eyes Wide Shut, who was Tom... Oh, Todd, Todd Beal? Yeah, he was Tom Cruise's friend in Eyes Wide Shut. He was the he, ball boy. Yeah. Well, but he, he was also on the on the, the Storm Chase team in, in Twister. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I forgot about that. And, and then he was nominated for Oscars for direct... Well, I don't think he got a directing nomination, but for producing he, and writing in the bedroom. Yeah, I think he won an Oscar for in the bedroom for writing. Yeah. The bat boy. And so it's basically about how baseball was sort of consuming all the independent baseball teams. They were buying them up into the farm systems, and um, they didn't really care about the cities. It was all about the players and making them into the best players for the major league teams. They could give a shit where the cities, where the, the games, where the teams were located at. But Bing Russell was like, oh, we're going to do our own thing. And I actually thought it was really cool the way they set it up where you, they explained. Because my first thought was, who are they going to play? But I liked how they made it clear that you know they're going to play the, the minor league teams. They just can't go to any major league teams. Like They're just going to be stuck with this one team. Um and how Major League Baseball got really pissed off because they were doing so well. And and Kurt Russell played on the team. Which I, th- yeah. I thought, was it there a scene where he's like smoking a cigarette yeah. in the fucking locker room yeah. and shit? <laughs> I mean, this, it, it was, it was, I had a blast watching this. And I actually got a little choked up towards the end when they were talking about Bing Russell at the oh, very yeah. end and everything. And I loved the whole, like, it, it started to get a very, like, you know, sad vibe about, you know, what baseball was about to do to the Mavericks, but I love the ending, the way they twist it around where Bing Russell's like, basically baseball can just go to any town they want. Right. And at that point, if there's an independent team, they have to sh- sh- close up shop. So because he's been so successful, you know, and baseball did all kinds of things to try and sabotage him the whole way. I just love that he went to court against them and all the different shit that he did. It was it was an amazing documentary. Yeah, I when again, um, guy Lani I worked with told me about this, and I can't believe that I had never heard of this. I mean, it's I will say it's not the best title, maybe. Yeah, I see that, and like like I told you before, like a lot of times I'll go on Netflix and it'll have recommendations yeah. for me, and that's usually where I find most of my stuff. I had to, I it, 
I had to I had to find I had to really look for this to find it on Netflix. Right. But it was great. I mean, I would probably awesome. give this like a nine. Like I love yeah, this documentary. Yeah, like eight point five. I I'd give a nine, and I'm with you about making like a narrative movie about this. Kurt Russell plays Bing Russell, and Wyatt Russell plays Kurt Russell. There you go. We would book it. <laughs> well, and, and the guy that invented Major League Chew. Big League Chew. Big League Chew. The gum. Yeah, yeah. that's all part of it too. Yeah. The gum that made you feel like you were chewing tobacco. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating film. Ethan Carter, like yeah. the, the the best player they have, she would tell Echea for. Oh yeah, I could see that. He plays him. Well, you know, from one true story to another truish story, untold, the girlfriend who didn't exist. Um. So this is about Manti Teo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I actually am quite familiar with this story. Um. So. I don't remember the year, but Manti Teo was a linebacker for Notre Dame. He uh, grew up in Hawaii. Um, he's Samoan, big into Polynesian culture, family, religion, blah, 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 blah. And he uh, is going through you know, his high school years. He's a prominent recruit. He wants to go to Southern California, but he's very religious and very a man, a man of faith. And he believes that um, he was sort of – he believed he was meant to go to Notre Dame. He sort of like felt like he got a message from God. You know, that's where you should go. Even though he wanted to go to Southern California. To me, that's a big statement about that guy's character. That Play for the and Irish. It, and it was also that he got that, remember he, he talked to, it was somebody that he knew or whatever that told him, you know, he could go to USC and be the next big, you know, Samoan athlete at, at USC, or he could go to Notre Dame and be Manti Teo of Notre Dame. Right. Because they'd never had anybody like him before. And... It was pretty courageous for him to do something like that, something that he didn't want to do. He just felt like he had to do it. So it's he, cold there. He and, that's, and he mentions that that's sort of part of what happens because he he goes from you know the warm beautiful weather of Hawaii to South Bend, Indiana. And I forget they're not and they're not Christian. I mean they're not they're not Catholic. They're Christian, but they're not Catholic. It's it's, and it's so it's, it's like he gets to this very heavily Catholic university. I mean, that's sort of Mormon, isn't it? Jesus Christ of Latter-day Is that what Saints. they were? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, 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 that's an offshoot I couldn't remember if that's what they were. Okay, yeah, it is Mormonism. Um, which, I don't know if it he was Mormonism. necessarily Mormon. They didn't really specify. They just said that that was the, the well, prominent, that's LDS. That was the that prominent is religion on the island. Did he talk about the magic underwear? He didn't mention no. it. That, that was not really important. So he goes to Notre Dame. Now, at this point, he is, you know, like most kids, he's kind of lonely. He, he's... Um, isolated you know he's he's a hawaiian guy living in south bend indiana and so he he ventures on social media and he gets a friend request from this girl named Lene kakua i think mm-hmm. and you know they they sort of like make passive conversation here and there and you know one thing leads to another and they start having more serious conversations so he starts to reach out through Facebook, looking for her other friends who they may have mutual friends, and he starts messaging uh, or calling other guys that he that he knows, and like, hey, who is this girl? Do you know her? And they were all saying, oh yeah, yeah, I, I've talked to her and all this different stuff. And so he, the whole time he's saying, okay, okay. And she apparently goes to school at Stanford, so they start a long distance relationship, you know, through text message, through phone calls, and. Uh, one thing leads to another, and basically what you need to know is that Lene Kakua does not exist. This is sort of like 
the beginning of catfishing. And the person who's catfishing him is this guy who is also from Hawaii, which how crazy at, is that? At the time, a guy, now transgender. He's transitioned. But, you know, he's at a point in his life where obviously he, he's trapped. He can't be who he wants to be. So the only outlet he has is to create this character online and start relationships. And he's talked about how in the documentary, they actually interview. Uh, the, the best part about this is that they were able to talk to everyone involved. Yeah. And he talks about how, you know, I would start relationships with guys. And as soon as it got to the point when they wanted to meet me, I would end everything. And that would be that. So all the guys, Manti Teo, who happened to know, who knew her, these were guys who she cut off relationships with at that point when they wanted to meet her. And they just didn't really tell him that. So no one had ever actually met this girl. No one had heard the term catfish before. So they all just thought they'd been talking to some girl. Right. And so... One thing basically leads to another, and Manti's career is, is going in a trajectory where he's heading to the draft. He decides to come back for his senior year, and fast forward to one day, he gets a, a call that his, his grandmother has passed away. His family's very tight, so he's, he's really upset. Um, the Lene who, uh, character or person is at a point where they know that this is not working, that it can't continue, but he can tell that something's off with Manti on this particular day for some reason. But Manti won't divulge that he lost his grandmother. So he basically like pretends to be two people at once, sort of, and as a as the brother of Lene, tells Manti Teo that she just died of leukemia. So Manti Teo now believes that his grandmother just died in the morning and later that afternoon his girlfriend just died. And now he thinks he just lost two very important people in his life and he is just distraught. And he dedicates his season, his senior season, to the memory of both of them. And I remember this. Like it was a big deal because Notre Dame went on like some incredible run. They went undefeated. They went to the national championship. Manti Teo was interviewed constantly. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. And at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, he basically finds out that something weird's going on. And I'm not gonna I don't wanna I don't wanna go too much more into it if you don't know the story because you need to watch this shit. Because I knew most of it, but I didn't know all of it. It's unbelievable. And the fact that like this poor guy was Impl impl he was implicated like people thought oh I remember when this happened because without getting even into the documentary that uh, you know haven't had a chance to watch it yet but I remember like Anderson Cooper saying like you know it's all a lie kind of thing yeah and but, my girlfriend was so infuriated with the, the the people who broke the story about the the fake girlfriend because I, I understand sort of where they were coming from because they were like look we've been working on this story forever and it was like, when we finally knew we had enough facts, we tried to contact both Manti Teo and his father, but they were like, nobody got back to us within an hour, so we just published it. And it was just like, we ha we don't want anyone to beat us to a story we've been working on forever. And my girlfriend was just like, this fucking media, my God, they just ruined these people's lives. They don't even give a shit. And I'm like, I, I understand, but I also 
like this is their job to. You gotta take care. It, it was rough. It's really, really good. It's only two episodes. They're each about you know around or an hour, I think. Yeah, it's like two hours. I think it actually they they actually called it a feature, but it's 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 in two this, episodes. So I don't know if y'all remember. I did a uh, I talked about it on the podcast a while back about the uh, the balance and the palace. Malice and the palace, yeah. Right. This is like a, a continuing Netflix series called, called Untold. Untold, right? Um, okay, and it just happens to be called The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. So it should be watched. Y- y'all are gonna yeah, love I'll it. Give, okay. I'll definitely give it a watch. It's definitely worth watching with like your significant other. It's it's one of those. We're gonna couples, we're gonna watch. Couples can we we, we we plan to watch it over the weekend. Just some life got in the way. Of course, I mean it happens. But life life uh, 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 yeah. uh, finds a way. Speaking of that, how do you like the fact that they're just gonna add more time to go watch Jurassic World? Like what? The Minion. Oh, I, oh, fourteen more minutes. Fourteen more minutes of a piece of shit. I hope it's fourteen more minutes of Dotson. Take one. Yeah. That's Dotson. <laughs> what, what, what if it's the Freddy Krueger? The Freddy Krueger. Oh God. Freddy Krueger sore. I got I got a twelve pack of Dr Pepper and that that Freddy Krueger source is on the cans. Oh my god! The England source. That's right. <laughs> Bitch slapped that beer. That was so hilarious. We need to watch that again. I just want them to. Like, I need to watch a, a behind the scenes featurette without having to buy the movie. But like, was it blind or what? Like, yeah, I, I when, when it does whatever it does to that deer at the beginning, it looks like it doesn't even realize a deer is there. Like, <laughs> she she it's like, like get out of my way. I'm he's clearly here. around her. Like uh, like. I gotta tell you, like, watching that movie with Glenn and talking about it now, and I know this is probably impossible to have happen. We all have wives, girlfriends, kids, blah, blah, blah. But all I see when I watch that movie is a night of us getting a fucking, like, grande meal at Taco Bell and drinking and watching this piece of shit movie. We and, need, oh, we to, need to make that yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. I've got a You know what we should on? do? When we record that video with the wings, you should all come over. Put that on the TV because we'll have like Ovi and my friend Nicoletti and well, all I'm, that shit, and we should all watch it and we should just record us. Well, no, in early September it's coming on Peacock. There yeah. we go. Maybe we maybe we make an anniversary when it comes on there. We'll do it then. Yeah. Dotson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the like the it's, it's on Peacock. They could try to like monopolize on that and have like a Peacockosaurus. A Peacockosaurus or a Brandon Tartikoffosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> A <laughs> little one, little field. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So another movie that I didn't get to see, but I was very curious about was Day Shift. Why are you even here? He's here the host. Because there was. Have Rizzo. you seen any of these movies? He's the host I, with the most. I fucking said at the beginning I didn't see any of these movies. You gotta stand up for yourself, man. Like 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 John, you're the host with the most, babe. I, I mean, I I also told you that I came for the risotto. <laughs> He's feeling a little. I don't that know, was some like, delicious ass risotto. <laughs> there was risotto with chicken. Yes. And yeah, it was it was great. There's a whole bunch of cupcakes. Over there's here. Cupcakes. Not, there's not a whole bunch left. There's one left. Yeah. No, there's a there's a mini ones in the bottom. Oh, those son are the, of a bitch! Those are the ones? A little bitty, uh, like a little shot glass Save cupcakes. Save this, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and so it's like a little cupcake. My my wonderful girlfriend. I had nothing to do with any of this. So I started watching. Like I'm trying to catch up before the new season debuts of Rick and Morty, and that's a show. I need someone else to watch it because. It's fucking almost hysterical. What and is that? What is he talking about? <laughs> well, cause it, what did that have to do with anything we were talking about? Did they eat cupcakes? You interrupted him. I mean, they eat all kinds of shit in that show. What the fuck? There's risotto. <laughs> so there's they eat cupcakes. food and that made you think no, of the it, show? No, it, it didn't make me think. I thought you were going to tie it into something about the show what we were just talking about. We're talking about science fiction, and the show is predominantly science fiction. We were we talking about science fiction. We <laughs> you think Jurassic about... World Dominion is fact? We moved on from that. We were talking about the food. You brought up the food. He, he, I mean, he, it, he did. <laughs> That's true. 
I was just, I, I'm, I'm curious about Rick and Morty now. <laughs> Even more. Because they, they, eat should, cu- they eat little cupcakes. <laughs> just brought, if they eat little cupcakes, I'll, I'm all in for that. You should you should definitely fire up HBO Max and get past the first couple of episodes because it's like a, that's a, what I, I watched like the first one or two and I was just like eh, I'm just not getting it yeah but. it's it, it gets funnier okay John says you suck <laughs> that's <laughs> precisely what John said that's, that's right that's what I heard but, well, but if it's enough. on HBO Max hurry up and watch it before it oh yeah it gets, it. yeah they get pulled it gets pulled well uh, we'll talk about day shift then day shift. All right, I'm tired of talking. So, day, are, are you? Yeah. Day Shift is the newest uh, Jamie Foxx Netflix movie. Because, yeah, I think he's got yeah, a contract with Netflix. Th- I would say, does he? Cause he's, I think so. He's pulling an Adam Sandler. Um, And this is kind of a horror comedy kind of is, thing. Is this, is this his Hubie Halloween? No, no, this no, is no, no. one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, is it real? Oh, I'm fucking excited. Maybe not that. Really? <laughs> but it's really good. It's good. It's fucking hilarious. And so, basically, this is a world where vampires exist, and Jamie Foxx is a... Uh, divorcee who's trying to you know make up time with his with his with his daughter and find time to do stuff for his daughter and make some extra money because his wife is saying you know they can't afford the school they're in so she's about to move and take the girl you the know, daughter somewhere real world problems real world problems so he he uh, so on the side which nobody knows about is he's a vampire hunter and vampires when you extract their fangs afterwards depending on how old this they are my favorite part. depending on how old they are they're worth different amounts of money. So the really old vampires, their fangs are worth different amounts of money. Fucking hilarious. And there's um, and there's a, a union. Yeah. Of, uh, that he got kicked out uh, of. That he got kicked out of for not following the rules. <laughs> so he gets his best friend, who is a vampire hunter, played wonderfully by Snoop Dogg. As John says, played wonderfully by Snoop Dogg, he understates <laughs> how good Snoop Dogg is in this movie. What, what's his name in it? It's it's big something. Is it Big John or Big, big John. Mike? Or it's Big John. Big John. And he, he wears a gigantic, you know, five He's gallon. He's a fucking cowboy. cowboy. He's a cowboy. cowboy Snoop vampire. Dogg is a cowboy vampire hunter in yes. this movie. Take my money. So he, so, he, so is the union like the Van Helsing union? <laughs> it's uh, I'm trying to think what. It's more like the Teamsters in this oh. movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think what it would be comparable to. It, it's 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 kind of like a comedic version of like the John Wick universe in a way. Kinda. And uh, so, is it that Union Dan Aykroyd was trying to put together in Gross Point Blank? No, no, that was <laughs> bullshit. So his, anyway, his his buddy gets him into the union and basically like gets him, partially gets his job back so that he can make some money real fast so that he can keep his daughter in town. And the only way they'll let him rejoin the union under you know kind of on probation is he has to make sure he follows all the rules and he has to take one of their auditors like their their you know rule keeper auditors with him wherever he goes and that person that they choose is uh someone who works for the union who has never been out in the field and does not want to go out in the field because he likes his desk job and he's played by dave franco (laughs) so dave franco and jamie fox go vampire hunting and it was awesome i I, I can't i i had such a good time watching this me and my girlfriend laughed so much and there's a moment at the end of the movie like, somebody told me, like, I really liked it, but I wish this character was in it more. A, sp- a certain character. And I was like, I'm glad they weren't, because at the end of the movie, I didn't know what was going on when that car showed up. Mm-hmm. And when that person got out of the car, I was like, this is going to be really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, yeah, day, I mean... the Dave Franco storyline could not be more funny, what happens to him and what he goes through. 
It's hilarious. It's really funny, and I mean, and I like the like the little universe that they created. Right. It almost kind of reminded me of like the Bright universe that they created, mm. where there's. I've, I've heard people. I'm so glad you said that because I told I mentioned that to my girlfriend. I was like, this is reminding me of Bright a little bit, but a funnier. It's, it's funnier than Bright. So, all right, so I know both of y'all are saying this. I've heard some people compare this to John Carpenter's Vampires. Yes, it's a. Com- I yeah. said the same thing. It's like a comedy version of Vampires. Because like the, the the when you said the Dave Franco thing it reminded me of the Priest from Vamp the John Carpenter's Vampires. That's, like, it, it's goes everything from that, but just imagine a little bit more funny and comical okay. than, than and there, Vampires. And there's a lot more like vampire rules that they don't like. There's there's different like degrees of vampires that uh, and there some of them are worth more like. When, yeah, he, like, when he gets their their fangs, they like, do a really cool job of saying like, okay, this is a uh, they they have five different categories of vampires based on the age and how they were made, and it determines about how much they're worth and how dangerous they are and when you can hunt them. And it's like they have like younger ones that I think they, they don't. Call so it's them. almost like when you're hunting like regular animals where there's certain seasons. And... Kinda, kinda, and there's there's also other little Different things that I've, ne- that I've never heard before. Like one of them is when they kill a vampire, they emit like this some kind of fume or something that goes on on your body so that other vampires know that you just killed a vampire and they'll be able to hunt you down and jamie fox has got some kind of some kind of stuff that some he washes kind of with and, all, and all he tells dave frank goes look you just gotta wash over with this but don't get it in your butthole <laughs> and it's just that whole that whole storyline and the really next funny. morning like dave franco is he picks up dave franco to go on, off to work and he's like i got a little in my butthole it, it was bad <laughs> <laughs> But it's yeah, it's it's a funny movie. I'd probably I give had it a blast. I give it like a seven and a half. I mean, it's not going to win any awards or anything, but I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. I it's, would go seven and a half. It's too. a it's a Netflix popcorn movie. It sounds a little like Zombieland in yeah, terms of like kind of not as is, it has more of like a structure to it than yeah. Zombieland. Like I was thinking more. What was the that that other zombie one? Was it Cold Bodies? Oh, or? Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. I like that movie. Yeah, maybe a little it's bit. It's an underrated like film. But you know, one of my biggest, one of the main complaints I have about Twilight was that it just took itself too seriously. I know what you mean. Like, and it was not good. Yeah, yeah but like, but, but, but that's part of like, like part of what I'm trying to say. If they had like treated it a little bit more like, like tongue in cheek, sparkle your vampire, but make fun of that. Yeah, like, go all in. <laughs> like day shift, like goes all in with like these crazy like ninety year old vampires who can like contort themselves and chase Jamie Foxx through the house. And he's just like this crazy bitch. It's it's hilarious. Had Shark Boy like looked at, at Edward and, and been like a uh, you sparkly fuck or something like that. That might have. Like, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I'm not. I'm just using that as an example. That's what Day Shift does. It understands that it's it's, it's it goes full into this universe. And I definitely see like this could be a series. Yeah. Let me ask you this: You finished those Twilight pieces of shit? I right? didn't actually see the last one. You didn't see the last one? I don't think I saw past the second one. Okay, something happened in the last one that like. Every every like my wife says yeah, it. Yeah, my the girlfriend women, like, was talking about this bullshit. This big like it was apparently twist. and it was a dream. It wasn't. It didn't really happen. Well, that's that's the stupid thing. That's of it. what There's I don't understand. Like, like thing about this big battle at the end and the whole I, battle I know, happens I, and yeah, it's, she, it's my girlfriend actually posted on social media not that long ago and tagged some people in it because apparently like you know all these Twilight nerds and Twilight. I'm like, well, if it didn't really happen, then why are y'all acting like yeah, it's, it's a like, shocking moment? I mean, it's been out for long enough. It's what a, it's a, ma- kind of a major ang- character gets killed. Right. right. Like, it's not, they don't really get killed. But, it, but, but it's a dream. But it's, it's a that's dream. the point. Like, when you watch it on the screen, like, it happens, and I'm like, cool fight. Like, and it ends, <laughs> and it's like, oh, no, it was all in, in that vampire. Like, he was showing them the possibility of what could happen. And it's like, oh, great. That's the resolution. It's the most anticlimactic fucking piece of shit. Twilight people. Yeah, fucking shit. Twilight. Yeah. And now it's time to remember some people that we've lost. Well, we lost Anne Hesh. We did speak about like the situation with her. I, I didn't realize how bleak it was. I didn't realize how it was either. Yeah. 
home. I don't think really anyone did. Uh, like, it, it was really bad, apparently, like, what happened with her. Um, yeah, I mean, she crashed her car, and it was just traumatic brain injury. I mean, I'm, we're not going to speculate on the circumstances right. around it. really it. doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Um, it sucks. Like, I mean... She was she was talented. I enjoyed a lot yeah. of her movies. Yeah. Six Days, Seven Nights is one of my well, favorite movies. I, I was telling you when I was looking up her career in the period of two years, 1997 yeah. to 1998, this is the run she went on. Donnie Brasco, Volcano, Wag the Dog, Six Days, Seven Nights, Return to Paradise, and the remake of Psycho. What was Return to Paradise? With Vince Vaughn and Joaquin Phoenix. And they had, arrested over in Malaysia or wherever yeah. it was. I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, that's a good that's movie. A good movie. Good. And then there was the other version of it with uh, with Kate Beckinsale. So she did back-to-back Vince Vaughn. Which one was yeah. well, it? It was Kate Beckinsale and Broke, Claire Danes. Was it like Brokeback Palace? Or Broke Down Palace. Broke Down Palace. Palace. She was in that? No, that no. They, they, they came was, out at the same. How movies were oh, coming out that were yeah. very they similar. They kind of came out at the same time, and the the um the plots were kind of similar. But um, well, I mean, like I said, that that that's run, six huge movies that came out like in yeah. I mean, if you think about it, in two years, she acted opposite Johnny Depp, Tommy Lee Jones, Robert De Niro, Harrison Ford, and like we said, Vince Vaughn. But um, she was what formerly married to um, Ellen DeGeneres. Or they were together. I don't they think were they, together. They never got married? I don't think they did. No, really. she just married Portia de Rossi. I'm not right? sure if... Was same-sex marriage legal then? Or I don't did know. they break oh. up before it? I don't know if it was legal yet. I don't think it was legal yet. They were they were together. but yeah. she, was, she was involved in one of my favorite Johnny Depp scenes of all time. <laughs> very intimate. <laughs> the intimacy <laughs> request scene from Donnie Very Brasco. intimate. I think that Billy's going to send me and shove it up his ass. <laughs> <laughs> she was really good in Donnie Brasco. She was very, very good. But, um, oh, yeah, she was very talented. John Q. Um, I forgot she was in that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, one of my favorite lines is her in Six Days, Seven Nights, when she just screams, There's nothing wrong with my tits. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She was in the, um, remember the Hung, the HBO show? Oh, she yeah. Wasn't well, she, she was the ex? Oh, she was the ex wife. Yeah, right. Tom Jane's ex wife. That's right. That. Wow. That's a very underrated show. Yeah. But, uh, I wonder if it's on HBO Max. I'm sure it is. It's HBO. The, yeah, the, they, they leave HBO stuff alone. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, all the okay. old HBO stuff's on there. But, um, so yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah, it's very talented. Uh, we also lost Wolfgang Peterson. Talk about, like, a very interesting filmography he's got. He's all over the place with his films. But, man, some classics. Yeah. So, um, I, I can't believe in a while. this, the first film that. Y'all mentioned that he directed. I did not know this. Did, is that correct? Never Ending Story? The Never Ending, Never ending Story. story. He 19, directed 1984. that? 1984. I did not that was, know that. That was his first, I think, English language film. That's incredible. I had no idea. But, um, so I guess, are we going to do something to honor Wolfgang King? Yeah, Peterson I think we should. So, yes, how are we going to honor Wolfgang Peterson? Well, we're just going to, we're just going to talk about it. About, about, about his, his motion pictures, his so, filmography. Uh, when I worked at Blockbuster, there was we always had this thing where, where certain cover boxes like grabbed our attention. Mm-hmm. We talked about that all the time. Das is true, and Das is true, and Das boot always grabbed my attention. I think it might have been a double cassette. It, it was. was. It was a yes. miniseries. So I watch that movie and. It's really good. The best way I could describe it, if you've ever seen U571, just imagine an entire movie about the German side of what was going on uh, on a German boat. U-boat. 
They find the Red October. <laughs> no, no Red October. Totally different war. And, that, and that, that guy's in it, uh, Jurgen Proshnow, who, if you look him up, he's been in all kind of stuff. Yeah, he was the villain in Beverly Hills Cup too. He was. Uh, he played Jesus Christ in the Seventh Sign at the New Moor in the eighties. He was in that English Patient. Was he? I hate it. <laughs> but uh, Das Boot was really good. Like I, I think I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but like fans of film would enjoy it. It's it's subtitled, so you know I got to read it. I, d- I didn't gotta, know where you were going with that because at first you it was really good. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, and then you paused, and yeah. I was like, because like <laughs> you got to know who you're was gonna. Are there, are there words in it? Yeah. If I gotta if I gotta read it, I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah, well, you gotta read it. So it's really good though. Um so I, I think Das Boot is a great film. In the words of a certain unnamed uh <laughs> former uh, LSU athlete who I you know, I won't name it here, when he came into in Blockbuster, he brought up a foreign movie and he said the following question. He said, Is this movie an American or do we got the words? And I said, It's got the words <laughs> and he put it back on the shelf. It sure did, Brian. <laughs> it sure did. What's um, the next one? The Never Ending Story? Yeah, the Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story. story. 1984. So he's the one that directed that that Atre- scene Atreyu. that scene with Atreyu and the horse. In oh the, my God. Was it the Swamp of Sadness? Oh. That was a... The, the, the visuals in that movie haunted my I felt childhood. like I'd never be cheerful again after I watched it. But yeah. good music. <laughs> and it had a cool dragon, Falcor. Yeah. Know. He kind of creeped me out as a child. Because he's like a... He's like half dragon, half dog. Yeah. And was it the rock eater? And yeah, I mean, they had some really cool, ca- like the you childlike empress. I mean, I don't know cool. what why I liked so much the whole beginning of him sneaking into that attic to read the story. Yeah. I really liked that as a kid for some reason. It just, it felt like okay, he's going to some other world in his mind. And but yet it was very relatable. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was it was interesting. But and, and his dad was Major Dad, Gerald McCraney. That's right. Oh well, there you go. Wait, did that just ruin it for you? What? No, it's a, it's a classic 80s <laughs> what film. What do you have against Gerald McCray? Nothing. He's good. But, um, and they had a couple of sequels, which kind of mess, messes oh, the Oh, fuck title. those sequels. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact that the, the, there's credits in well, the movie well, I mean, and, but, the title. But they also, they, I mean, they should just keep making them, because, I mean, it's never-ending. It's never-ending. Yeah. The never-ending story. And which was brought back for uh, Stranger uh, Things. Stranger Things, yeah. Uh, I was watching Never-Ending Story before Stranger Things ever came out. Oh. Uh, Moving Ryan, on, Ryan, you should invent a hipster character. So, you, so, um, uh, so we had the Neverending Story, and uh, the next one on the list that was 1984. So, 1985, he directed Enemy Mine. Look, I gotta tell you, if anyone has not seen this movie, I recommend it highly. Oh, I'd recommend it highly too. It's really cool. Kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Luke a- Gossett as an alien. All right, so, th- <laughs> all right, so there's an episode of. <laughs> It is. So there's an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation with Geordi and yes. uh, Romulan that get shipwrecked. Clear pretty. ripoff of this film. And it was, it was based on this this, this film. Um, that James Conn film, Alienation, is sort of similar in tone with the whole... But, I mean, it was, it's cool. It was, I mean, it's just like a long space war. and Yeah, it's a, it's a space war, and these two characters get stuck in this mine together. They, they crash land. On this planet. And they're sort of forced to work together to try and survive, and... It's really good. Dennis Quaid is actually really, really good in it. He is. Dennis and, and Gossett at Tanagra. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a point in Dennis Quaid's career when he was doing shit like Inner Space. And, you know, he hadn't done any really serious acting, as far as I can remember at the time. He hadn't got the Undercover Blues yet? No, and he didn't do... Oh, was like, this before um, uh, Great Balls of Fire? I can't... Probably. Probably, probably around that time. Yeah. 
But uh, that's a really good movie. Like, uh, I recommend you guys go find that one. I haven't watched it in years. I remember thinking it was yeah, really cool. Go out of your way, if you're, but, especially if you're a sci-fi fan. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right, after um, Enemy Mine, we had... Uh, so there's one called Shattered that I don't think any of us have seen. Who's in it? I, I know that title's familiar. Tom Berenger, Bob Hoskins. I have seen it, like, years ago, and I don't remember very much about it. After a horrific car wreck he's, leaves him amnesia, amnesiac, a man slowly begins to unravel his shocking past. Yeah. I don't remember very much about it. I do remember the seeing it, though. But All right, well, the next one, 1993, two years later, he directed In the Line of Fire. Amazing film. Great movie. Very so it's movie. Uh, John Malkovich. Clint Eastwood as the Secret Service. Might have been. In, arguably Malkovich's best performance ever. Before no, being John, John Malkovich. <laughs> he's... No, no, oh, also Teddy KGB. No, no, you can't. I mean, the, I if love, you don't have my money, Ryan, I know I love Teddy KGB, but fucking uh, beg him. Leary in in fucking he beat me. <laughs> Pay this man his money. Bad judgment. <laughs> oh, is, I, is it just me or is John Malkovich either really, really good or really, really bad? But it's everything? always really, really good, even uh-huh. when he's really, really bad. Uh, on a draw. <laughs> Mike, this is not for you. <laughs> but um, I want to see him and what we do in the shadows. <laughs> well, I mean, y'all are even talking about Cyrus the motherfucking virus. Yeah, that's true. But L- uh, little Katie Poe, my stinking breath. But uh, Rene Russo is very good. But in anyway, yeah, fire. it's yeah. a masterfully directed suspense thriller. Dylan, I remember we Dylan watched McDermott. this. We, we rented this uh, from a, a grocery store on a family vacation, and we watched it at the condo. And as I was as a kid watching it like mesmerized, I mean as a kid, I mean I was thirteen, but but it was like was it a pop gun that he made? It was like a wooden gun, right? It was, pla- it was, it was plastic. It was a plastic. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, which which one of the Moronis is Dylan? It, no, it's Dylan. It was Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott, not Dermot Moroni. <laughs> right. Oh, I was wondering what you were talking about at first. <laughs> which one of the Moronis? <laughs> like the crime family from yeah, Batman. That, that, all right, so after In the Line of Fire, two years later, 1995, he did a little movie called Outbreak. I love that movie. Very good movie. Starring Donald Sutherland. I love that helicopter chase. <laughs> I like the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Remember in Friends when they did Outbreak, too? When Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's what, right. What we have here is a Outbreak. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. And Ada Canio. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman. Another Rene Russo. Yeah. Film. Um, Kevin Spacey, so... That's right. Before we knew. Before. Yeah. Well, that's so much stuff. Go watch American Beauty. I tell. I told that. I know it. It changes it. It, it really does. It's hard to watch now. It was. It was uncomfortable originally, but you now know, it's really hard to one watch. One of my favorite scenes in that movie was when she came through the drive-through with Peter Gallagher, and <laughs> and he kind of like just serves them like normally. That's no. You don't get to tell me anything. Yeah. That, ever. That scene again. still maintains its humility, but like. Uh, him watching his daughter's friend dancing at a, in a gymnasium, mm-hmm. and he's imagining her naked with roses all over her. Not quite the same as it was back then. True that player. Good Scott Bakula performance. I mean, even if he wasn't, <laughs> you're right. Even if he wasn't potentially a sexual predator. I mean, when you look back at it, that's really I that's guess a disturbing scene. It's like way. it's kind of like the the Bill Cosby barbecue sauce in uh, the original uh, Cosby Show. We should have known, Duh. but we didn't see it. I mean, honestly, I don't think we really could have known. That movie was uh, was written by someone else. He just was gleefully playing the scenes. Allegedly. Yes. 
But um, but yeah, that was great. So we'd recommend people go check. Oh, that definitely. Out. I don't think we've come across a film I wouldn't recommend. No, especially this next one. In 1997, Air Force One. Get off my plane. I'm an angry president. That's all you need to know? We'll watch everything unfold on TV. How dare we? How dare we? (laughs) (laughs) Harrison Ford points are really good. President Grubby. This president's a Medal of Honor winner. And plus we had William H. Macy's great last line. It was you! (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And Glenn Close just completely like violating the constitution by the end and everyone sort of forgets it as she tears it up that she was supposed to completely like ignore that he's the president so that they could save the world but she didn't care because yeah, the only thing is you can well, say... she hadn't she hadn't signed it yet yeah, and they were, and, but and... she clearly should have but she was about to and then she found out that the president was out of harm's way so he was the president again yeah but so she tore it up but, but the, you could definitely tell that the special effects budget had it run is out constitutionally by the end. Sound, oh right? it ran out when air force <laughs> one crashed that's for damn sure <laughs> because that was like some com- like tron level uh, airplane crash <laughs> it's just an action figure that's right <laughs> what was it? the best part was with that fucking asshole secret service xander berkeley he was left on the plane and he's like <laughs> he's like looking off in the distance with his arm up like ah <laughs> So bad. Bad visual effects could be good though sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Except when it's Dwayne Johnson as a half scorpion. That's a perfect song. Greg had a problem with that one. <laughs> All right. So um, three years later, he returned to the world of water that he entered in Das Boot in The Perfect Storm. This one, like, okay, this one's special to me because like, we watched it together. We did. We, we love that movie, Conan. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Why is he calling Wait, that's from South Park movie. Oh, yeah, okay. we watched that movie together. Yeah, um, but no, like we watched it together, and yeah. I just remember like I don't know what I was prepared for watching. I knew it was based on a true story. Um, I didn't <laughs> expect the ending, but like for some reason, I remember you, you talked a lot about George Clooney's um, John Deere hat that your dad had that same hat. Very true. I, I gotta tell you, like the thing I took away from this movie was that like they did such a great job of capturing the atmosphere of these kind of like fishermen. Where I could smell. The oh, movie. you could you could Gloucester definitely men? smell Mark yeah. Wahlberg. Yeah, they're always from Gloucester. And this was like John C. Riley, where it was like he was bouncing back and forth between comedies and dramas, and he was really good in this. Wasn't role. he like singing in Chicago and then coming and jumping yeah. on this boat with fucking George Clooney? Mr. Yeah, and, and then he was doing Gangs in New York, and don't don't forget like our Glenn and I's favorite little discussion <laughs> between Mark Wahlberg and and George Clooney, where he's like. I got a woman I can't stand to be more than two feet away from. Congratulations. <laughs> Say hello to your mother for me. Then again, I love to fish. <laughs> <laughs> Son, you got a problem. <laughs> he, he always finds the fish. Always. That's right. But no, this was vi- a visual effects like masterclass. Yeah. The moral of the story is always make sure the ice machine's working. I just remember when I saw it in the theater... You know that at the end when George Clooney's there and he just kind of goes back down under the yeah. on the floor. I just heard somebody back room. Where's he going? <laughs> <laughs> the, so the afterlife. I don't know. The captain always goes down with the ship, asshole. Yeah. Where's he going? Yeah, I just I remember. Um, uh, he probably does not know about this, but remember Manny DeGru? Yes. Remember him down with the ship. <laughs> this is, this Jesus Christ. But um, so yeah, that was Perfect Storm. Uh, four years later. He kind of did a pretty epic film called Troy. So here's the weird thing about Troy. Like, do y'all are y'all okay with the fact he took all the mythology elements out of Troy? I'm, I'm fine with that. What I'm like, this movie's candy, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, had some cool fights. And... Except for what yeah. happened to fucking uh, uh, Hector. Like, 
his whole arc. No, what I mean is like it's it's cool visually and everything. It is cool, but it's visually. not a it's not a good film really. But like, it's it's one that if it's on though I'll watch oh, it because yeah. it's just it's fun. You can watch pieces of it. You know what this movie same. is? This is candy for anyone who wants to see Brad Pitt's abs and him. I will say Brad Pitt doesn't? looked amazing. In this oh film. my god! Like I think the visual people talk about the visual effects. I'm like, please tell me Brad Pitt was a visual effect. By the way, I did see that movie uh, with Channing Tatum and 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 Sandra Bullock. Recently, mean, I forgot to mention. What that. do you mean with them? Like oh, that, the movie that that stars both of them. Oh, the Lost City. Yeah, and Brad Pitt's in it. I really liked it. It was. Am- I loved yeah. that movie. Like Heather and I both watched it, and by the end of it, she was like, "This is really." Fun. I'm like, I know I had a great time. Yeah, that's a good. Channing movie. Tatum's ability to make fun of himself. Yeah. So dumb. Yeah, I mean, in Troy though, I, I thought they did a great job with the getting everybody kind of hooked on how cool it was going to be with the the opening scene where Achilles wasn't even there, and he just. Run, you think it's gonna be a big fight? and He just runs and just kills that guy instantly and just walks off. That's right. Plus, I mean, you get Brian Cox as Agamemnon. Yeah. Julian Glover from uh, Last Crusade and Empire Strikes Back. And Peter O'Toole. Yeah, that's right. It was one of his. Was that Who one the of his fuck last is Peter films? O'Toole? Probably. Brendan Gleeson. I mean, it was a really big know. cast. I always figured that Orlando Bloom was in it. I mean, oh yeah. Yeah. It was like it was just it was so dark. Shot a bow what, what happened with the Trojans by the end of it? It was just like. Hmm. It was, it was such a downer. And Sean Bean was in it, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was. Was he? He was Odysseus. He was like, right? yeah, I don't remember his name. But he was Achilles' yeah. friend. But um, definitely yeah. Odysseus. And then, um, all right. So I'm just gonna let Ryan talk about 2006 Poseidon. Because so, he went back on the water. So there's like, there's movies. <laughs> there's films. Do you think that this should get the Academy Award for best movie ever? No, that's already. John, okay. tell him what movie that is. Highlander. Highlander. Fucking asshole, Greg. You already know this. But then there's there's movies, there's film, and then there's high art. <laughs> and that's what you get with Poseidon. Because he reversed it. Now we can throw junk into the prop. He's a genius. Well, I just remember us, like, putting it, because this is a, a New Year's Eve movie. We watched this shit, like, we checked the print, didn't we? Or we did we yeah. watch? Yeah, and, and then I remember you, like, I don't know if we had to stop it for some reason, and... Ryan went, you can't stop it now. You go out to miss a great Andre Brower. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. I forgot he's the captain. Captain, captain Raymond like, Holt. That yeah. sounded like the galley. <laughs> and we, we lose Fergie in this movie. That's right. God rest their souls. What was that stupid song that she kept singing that was like repetitive? Like, doing it and doing it and doing it. <laughs> and she just kept saying it over and over again. Like, we're but to I mean, the point where I was like, I really hope she drowns. <laughs> but I mean, you had Emmy Rossum and uh, Mike, Mike Vogel and... And who Kevin Dillon, which played Lucky Larry. Lucky Larry. That's right. And we all know that you don't just get that name. You gotta be lucky. You gotta be lucky. This is a great movie to get like It's it's a great bad movie. And it has, without question, the greatest (laughs) drowning performance in movie history by Kurt Russell. Which I remember when this film came out. The uh, time credit, the, the 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 film critic for the time speaking and didn't like it because he said that it would um, bring up memories of Katrina from New Orleans residents. I don't know what fucking like, Katrina he experienced. Like Kurt Russell, <laughs> pushing he, buttons. He was upside down in a fucking yeah. like cruise ship. Yeah, but um, you got Richard Dreyfus and he was in Jaws. He's found someone. <laughs> he didn't want to hurt me. But I just like you know, it looks like he's gonna. 
dive off the side of this boat until he sees a tidal wave and he decides he wants to Fuck live. Fuck it, I don't want to die now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tidal wave's about to kill everybody. I might as well try and stay alive. Like the, the, Okay, I didn't get to watch this with the, you guys. I had to watch it on my own. But the experience that you guys had, it it resembles when, when Glenn and I watched 2012. Oh, yeah, when that Russian dude throws his child. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a movie that... I really wish we could have recorded that. would be a good double it. feature, I think. Poseidon yeah. in 2012. Where were they going? <laughs> I will say this for Poseidon. We, we joke yeah. because it was a fun movie, but the visual effects are really oh, spectacular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, are re- they really are. They did an amazing job with the visuals, and I think they sort of like gave up after that. <laughs> well, it was a remake of the Poseidon Adventure, and they just took... They did recreate that iconic scene of the character falling from the, the elevator upside down and right. stuff. But, uh, um it is a blast to watch. Very fun. You know, that's all I can say about it. Yeah. And I will say this about Old Wolfgang now that we lost him. Like, this is quite the filmography. Like, he's all over the place yeah. with the different type of movies he did. Yeah. There's some Very action adventures, some suspense thrillers, some 80s comedy, classics, 80s <laughs> classics, comedy disaster movies. It's like, what a great filmography. What a great career. Right. And he, and he almost directed... Um, a Batman versus Superman film that was yep. Uh, I think I forget what alluded some, to in I Am Legend. Yeah, but uh, it was supposed to star Jude Law as Superman and Colin Farrell as Batman. And it never got made. But uh, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. And now it is time to nominate the awesome villager for this week, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? Well, this uh, is a double week, one, right? Yeah. yeah. So this will just be. But I'm going to shockingly. I gotta tell you. Uh, you know, you, we we try to like as we're watching our our shows and movies, we try to figure out who we're gonna pick. I did not really think I would ever come to a point where I'd be like, I think I'm going to nominate Snoop Dogg, because I, I disagree. I think that there are many occasions. But this movie, anything he does with Martha Stewart, the, yeah, yeah. But this movie, and also, I can't recall, like you guys grew up in the '90s. Like Snoop Dogg was like, I don't want to say a pariah, but like he was anti-establishment. Like he was sort of shunned by mainstream, and now he's doing fucking Corona beer commercials on the beach with, with Andy, Andy Samberg. Samberg. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think he's it, like this beloved character. Do you, think it, you think it all kind of started with uh, Starsky and Hutch? Or old school. I, I don't, I think it didn't even, that didn't even happen. I think what happened was Snoop hasn't changed. I think the it's world has... always been Snoop. Yeah, he's always he, been and, him. And I think that the world has That's started to, to kind of change. Yeah. Marijuana, which is his, right. his love of his life, is now more accepted, more like you know, it, it's legal in a lot of states, and and I will say this, like we we he makes wine now. We, yeah, we, we 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 sort of joke, but he was actually really good in Training Day. Yeah. He was. He was very good in that. I show. thought he was really funny in Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah. And man, I'm telling you, if you thought he was funny in Starsky mm-hmm. and Hutch, wait till you see this movie. He's really good. So that's my pick. I'm going with Snoop Dogg. Well, last week's episode, we we started, we talked about uh the finale of uh, Better Call Saul. So I got to nominate Bob Odenkirk because a character that almost seemed like a, not exactly a throwaway character in, in Breaking Bad, but just somebody that I wouldn't really think I'd care about a spinoff show about. This show has been amazing from beginning to end. And I mean, and he's the, he's the center of it. So, and I mean, he's come out and he's just shown us from, from the old comedy stuff that he used to do to ben this show. <laughs> ben, yeah. um, ben Stiller show. Yeah. And then, uh, Room for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and then, I mean, that he does stuff like this, and I mean, nobody. nobody. Man, I can't wait to see what happens next. And uh, I, I guess I said it last week as well, I, Ray Seahorn is going to yeah. be my nominee. She, like, the emotional weight she carries in the show, uh, 
there's one scene I, I don't want to spoil for Glenn. On a bus? Yeah. yeah oh, which show we my fucking Sword. God. Yeah. What a performance. Yeah. And if she's not nominated for some sort of award for this season, I, I don't know what the hell's oh, wrong. Man. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to nominate uh, Tatiana Maslany. Um, I thought that it was weird how she just fit into this. And this is from last week from, uh, you know, she's a star, she Hulk. How she fit into this kind of bizarre blend of like a Marvel thing with a lawyer show. But she was just so instantly likable in it. And she played this part so well. She had such good chemistry with Mark Ruffalo. And I don't know, she just, like I said, it was just, it's like, she was just a natural, so that's, I'm gonna go with uh, with her. That's that's her in Orphan Black though too. It was her in Parks and Recreation, like every role. I remember her in Parks and Recreation. She, she played one of uh, Tom's love interests. She was a doctor. Oh right, right, right. Okay, I do remember that. But yeah, like she's 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 just so versatile and like. Well, I mean, Orphan Black will show you that. I mean, yeah, all the different characters she plays in the same show. If anybody hasn't watched that, I mean, oh, you, God, you gotta yeah. watch Orphan Black. Especially since there's about to be a sequel. Yeah. So, all right, gentlemen, if you have to vote for someone other than your own, who would it be? Bob Odenkirk. I'm gonna go with Ray Seahorn. I think. I think I was gonna go with Bob Odenkirk. Shit, I was gonna go with Tatiana Maslany. That's Odenkirk wins. Yeah. It's his second win. I, he he should be someone that has the hat trick. But yeah, Bob Odenkirk definitely come hang out with us. I have so much stuff to ask him about his career. Yeah. Um, very versatile career. Very versatile career, and like again, a person who like. I love how grateful he is to get these jobs and how he'll 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 do self-deprecating things or like just the way that his performances can turn on a dime. Yeah, and he's kind of the um, prime example of comedians being good dramatic actors. Yes, yeah. I mean I never thought he had that in him. No, some not of at all. Things. And then like when we said nobody, I mean yeah, I never thought I would have liked that movie as much as I did. Yeah. All right. Well, remember, there are many ways to find us. Anchor Podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other platforms. And as always, you can listen to us on theawesomevillage.com, where when you do, you help us out here. This has been another great week. This has been Greg. Ryan. John. Glenn. We'll see you out there.